Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, I have Vance. Hi, Vance. Hey, what's up? You awake? You alive? You ready? Yeah, I'm good. Last week I was tired. Okay. We also have, sitting in for Todd, we have Gearman Steve. Hi, Steve. What's going on, guys? Oh, not too much. All right. Let's get through these plugs and have our little session going. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products. Our website is fatazmuskie.com. You can order all the stuff that I have in stock right from that website. As of right now, it is primarily rod holders. Um, several questions have been asked over the past week or so. Our new aluminum clamshells, the direct drop-ins for down east, are up on the website. I have had to screenshot the location or send links, uh, but they are there. I promise you that. Um, sales have been pretty strong for that. A lot of people like that high-end stuff. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but those are up there. And, you know, the rod holders, they're still leaving here at a good clip. I have plenty of inventory there. Uh, I will say that I am, I know I said this last week, but I'm anticipating by Monday to ship out that musky tackle online order. Uh, but as it stands, I painted my last bait just the other day for the season and what I mean by season is I need to shoot my Pennsylvania deer buck, and then I might think about reopening the uh, paint booth. It just stinks too much in here to uh, continue on while I'm trying to shoot him with a stick. So paint booth is getting shut down. Season, I don't want to say it's wrapping up, but we're entering that fall period, and we're getting really close. Vance, what was the uh, temperature this morning up in New York? 50 this morning it was 50 yes steve did you get did you get a temperature this when i was there this morning i'm I'm talking air temperature oh Oh, air temps oh geez i didn't okay idea i've been teleworking and stuck in my house for like ever i don't go outside anymore (laughs) well you kind of do and we'll talk about that here more soon it was air temperature (laughs) at my house this morning was 41 Wow. Yeah. So 41, it was pretty, it was refreshing to say the least. Um, but it's, it's, I think we're starting on that downward trend, which, you know, is something that I look forward to. And the crickets are coming out. If anyone follows my three phases, um, it is the third phase, cricket phase. Steve, are you familiar with my three phases of summer? Uh, I am, but you may want to refresh. <laughs> okay, so in other words, no. Memory. <laughs> in other words, no. <laughs> no. For me? I heard your crickets, but I don't know the other two. <laughs> it goes peepers, lightning bugs, crickets. That's that's the three phases. The peepers are the beginning of, you know, late late spring, summer. I mean, they're springish, but... And then you get into June, fire fireflies, fire whatever, lightning bugs, whatever you want to call them. And then as you round out August, you start getting the crickets. You don't hear the peepers anymore, do you? No. Anyways, that's just how I associate with all that. <laughs> um, now that I bored everybody and I'm getting no response from the yeah, two other Yeah, you literally mics. got crickets. I know. <laughs> that's so ironic, isn't it? Is, and I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm sitting here basking right in the glory of it. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> third phase, 
and um, continuing on with it that. Sucks it sucks you're done painting. I hate that because I know how far behind we are. Okay, well, it doesn't suck for me because I've been balls to the wall for like the last <laughs> nine, ten months. So I, I'm I'm actually very happy that that this page is being turned and then I can not worry about that so much. But I'm also catching wind that there's not going to be there's talk that there's not going to be very many shows this this year. I don't know if you've caught yeah. wind of any of that either. I haven't caught wind, but I just have a pretty good idea that they're probably not going to happen, you know? Yeah, so with that, then there's going to even take more pressure off of the, the airbrush, and I might be able to redirect it to maybe some more advanced paints or play catch-up hardcore. I don't, I'm not sure. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Um. Anyways, that's enough of me babbling. Um, Vance, say something. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishandguides.com. Give us a call, uh, Todd or I. We'll take you out uh, on the beautiful Chautauqua Lake. Um, or uh, we do some Pennsylvania fishing in the early spring. I know I'm looking forward to that uh, in 2021. Um, we're uh, booked up for the season here pretty much uh i'm looking to do uh, that second week in november to fill those four days and i'm probably going to be done um around the 15th but if anybody wants to come out and you know, try for a fall fatty or giant up here on chautauqua lake get a hold of me um i do have some november availability that's always a toss-up but uh with the weather um, but I am book. My 2021 books are open, um, and I had people get a hold of me today uh, that listened to the show that picked a couple days they wanted in June. Um, so if you know when you're coming up next year, uh, just give me a call, and uh, we'll get you on the books for 2021. If there is um, but, a 2021, it's true. Yeah, if there <laughs> is a 2021, but um, yeah. Fishing's been uh, good, and lots of nice fish hitting the bag, and uh, we're just plugging away up here on Chautauqua Lake. Um, also, if you come out with us, uh, big shout-out to Ranger Boats. Big shout-out to Vic Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. If you want to order a boat, you better do it now um, because – the demand is up and the production is very low and that goes across the board and all like outdoor stuff right now. It's pretty remarkable. Um, but check them out. Give them a fair shake. Uh, shout out to St. Croix rods, best rods on earth. And, um, those are new plugs. All right. And that's going to round us out except for muskies Inc. I know we sound like a broken record, but if you even pay attention to the words we say, you'll see just how important it is, you know, and what, speaking from our own personal experience, what Muskie's Inc. has done with our local fisheries. Um, they're, they're a huge asset. Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission works very closely with them. I can't speak for other states, but every, we're all reasonable people, you know. If, if, if there's a bad relationship there, start mending fences. And a good way to do that is with a solid voice of Muskie's Inc. 
for $45 a year, you become a member. You get a discounted rate for the local tournaments, this year being an exception. You get a magazine, six magazines a year, and a pretty cool calendar. So all that stuff for $45, come on. You can't fill your gas tank for 45 bucks. Well, some of you can, but you get the idea. So go be a member. Important. All right, gear man. You got any plugs? Yep. Well, my, my standard SH fishing sticks. He's uh, working on an incredible rod for me now and does obviously incredible work. So and if anybody looking for a custom rod, he's big into St. Croix blanks. Uh, that's the guy to call. So shfishingsticks.com. Uh, he's on Facebook. Send him a message. He'll hook you up. Yeah, and tell him Gearman sent you, and uh, Gearman will pick up 50% of your rod order. <laughs> Is that, isn't that uh, what we talked about? I don't know about that one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, rewind and erase my last plug. <laughs> <laughs> I am kidding. That was a joke. So we're going to see how many uh, inbox messages he gets. Yeah. <laughs> Show him how powerful this off. Well, no, they pay full price. You just pay 50% of it. Oh, man. (laughs) The multiple rod guy. Multiple (laughs) rod. So I think it should go, this is how dedicated Steve is to this podcast. I think this is an important uh, thing to point out. (laughs) We wanted to uh, have a third mic on this show, and I asked him... He yes, he has he's busy. And I asked Steve literally like last minute, hey, you want to do a show? And like the conversation was, I have nothing to talk about. And I said, That doesn't matter. <laughs> and we went back and forth, and then finally I called him, which was not unusual, but he answered at eight like eight thirty. And that's not a normal time for him to pick up, and I thought he was golden. Come to find out he wasn't. So we went, you know, we figured some stuff out. He went through three telephones at his house to get reception. None of them worked. You ended up hopping in your automobile, driving yep. across town, more or less, to go to your father's residence, your parents, to use their landline. Yep. That's what I'm on now. <laughs> so all of that said, you must have something really important to talk about, right? Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm going to blaze this podcast up. (laughs) You're going to light it. All right. Okay. Now that I put him under the hot seat two times, uh, (laughs) I have a couple stories for you guys. Okay. I am going to first tell a halfway related to fishing story. I was not actually fishing, but it had to do with water and actually water that I really like. Um. And it's going to reflect back on a little bit of a dislike. I don't want to say a dislike because, I mean, it's not my water. You'll, you'll see what I'm going with here. It's complete stereotype. Let's just do that. It's complete stereotype. So a few weeks back, I uh, went to go set up a permission property with some tree stands. And this permission property just so happens to be the property that borders where Jumpin' Jimmy got caught whatever, however many years ago that was. And it was in the film. Like, if anyone watched the YouTube thing of it, um, 
small acreage, but it has a pretty decent pinch point. And I hunted this, this property last year. I'm kind of like the only one that asked permission, but it seems like a lot of people just walk on. But regardless, I wanted to move my set. I tore the set down last year. I'm, I'm resetting up into a different spot and it's substantially closer to this body of water. And this body of water is a river. And I was alone and I'm putting my climbing sticks together and I'm kind of putting them against the tree and I hear a bunch of people talking. I'm not too far. I'm bow range from the river. And there are like cabins across the the river. I'm going to probably say 150 yards, 200 yards. And I could hear people talking last year when I was hunting and, and what have you. But these people seemed like they were getting louder. And there's like log jams and what have you. And I heard people like just through conver- their conversation, I could hear every word they were saying. You, you ever notice how well sound travels across the top of water? Oh, yeah. Anybody, Vance, are you, are you alive? I'm here. <laughs> what <Okay>. happened? <laughs> I blacked out there for a second. <laughs> okay, if you need to go, Vance, you can hang up, and me and Steve no, will. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I blacked out there. Uh, you were going off into that thing, and I got a full disclosure. I did that thing again where I put the uh, eyes is closed. No, the uh, the leaf blower to the fire, and it is just so satisfying. So my story is so riveting. <laughs> you decide to blow air into the fire. Well, when you said <laughs> I, the last thing I heard was uh, I heard p- people talking when I was hunting, and I was like, you know what, I just can't stand that. So I'm going to put this leaf blower in the fire. Very respectful. Okay, so carrying on. (laughs) Shit, I thought it was safe for a second. I was like, all right, he's going to keep going here for a minute. It's cold out here, goddammit. Go into your camper. There's dogs in there, and then you'll yell at me for the dogs barking. Oh, jeez. Put on a coat there, tough guy. Um, Anyways. I'm setting the scene. I'm trying to let everyone kind of see what's going on. And it doesn't take me long to figure out that these are kayakers and inner tubers. And I have like, I don't know, 16 feet of sticks attached to this tree. And I'm climbing up this tree, getting everything set up. And then I, I can see them. Now, can they see you? I mean, if I see them, they can see me, but they did not see me. It was easy to see them because they were in, you know, blues and oranges and yellow, various, you know, uh, petroleum product rafts and environment friendly, extremely. And I, I don't really want them to see me for many reasons. But number one is it would not take nothing to put one of these vessels against the shore, run up, steal all my stuff, hop back in you know, their little boats and just go away. And I would never know. I just, that is an extreme scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. The kayakers are here. Notoriously known for stealing everything and being able to fit all my stuff on a kayak. Yeah. But I mean, think about it. I mean, if you wanted to steal something instead of just walking in past one of my cameras and walking out, like you own the place. If all you had to do is just run 20 yards through the woods cut the straps right, so, 
anyway, so I, I I'm like I up this tree like so you so you rack one. Yeah, so you're ready to go. You put one in the in, in the chamber. I didn't put one in the chamber. I had a sidearm with me. I had two guns pointing at him, and I decided to sink the ships. <laughs> so as I emptied the clip, um, <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> I I did. Oh man. I didn't stop until the river was red. Um, no, that holds up well in court. It does. I was scared for my life. <laughs> You're coming right for me. <laughs> so, anyways, this is where the stereotypical thing comes in. These people are in like a very slow section of this river. There is not a paddle getting wet, and they are just sitting there. And I'm 16 foot up in this tree, tethered into this thing. And I don't really want to move. I don't want them to see me. For Like I said, there's a whole bunch of reasons. I'm setting gear up on property I have permission. And I have no control over any of that stuff. I just don't want people to see me doing that. And then you could hear the sound of aluminum cans cracking open. And I'm like, yep, I'm going to be here for a while as they sit here. I mean, if the wind blows upstream... They're going upstream. That's how much current there is. It's essentially a lake. And then they did it. The Bluetooth speaker. Oh, lovely. Okay, so stereotypical. I almost laughed, but I almost like wanted to just put the rope around my neck and jump. Um, <laughs> they played such kayak rocking hits such as Shaggy Angel, Kid Rock All Summer Long, Shirty, you're my angel. You're my darling, <laughs> baby. That one? Yes. God. That is a staple of the kayakers. And the great Shit. thing was, was that as these people were floating and drinking their beverages, they would just like chime in singing like half a verse. Life is one big party when you're still young. And who's going to have your back when it's all done? Yeah. That, remember that? That was a terrible uh, Yeah, I just listened to it. I listened to the whole song while I was stuck up into a tree <laughs> like a, a tree. raccoon. So bad. I, I felt like Predator. I should have had my like a red laser and, and put it on a guy's yeah. forehead. Oh, man. That would have been great. <laughs> I would have fit well for that verse that life is all, uh, one big party when you're still young, but who's going to have your back when it's all done and you shoot the guy with the predator. Yeah. I, I sh- <laughs> <laughs> this is getting very dark. <laughs> if I had the code to the Bluetooth, I'd be like making the predator music. <laughs> but I mean, I, I was like frustrated and just like smiling that it's so stereotypical. And I'm just like, I want down. I don't know. So I had to wait and then I, I shimmied down and I got out of there. Um, but that was my one thing is the stereotype is that you can pretty much guarantee songs similar to uh, Vance's, you know, beautiful uh, melodic voice was just singing and um, various other tunes. Um Another good one is Wagon Wheel that they played. That was great. Oh, I hate that. But anyways, really good play. How long were you in the tree then until you shimmied down? Oh, my gosh. That was like 15 minutes. That's oh, so... Man. 
Well, it seems like it was a good tree, at least very secure. It was, yeah, it was a shag bark hickory, and the bo- the bark was very loud. And but, <laughs> anyways, I was up there and I just kind of hung out. Um, but I didn't have my platform set, so I was just had a lineman belt and I was standing on like you know one of the top rungs, and I'm just like standing there like a goon. Um, and we've all been there. I know. I, I Steve, when was the last time that you were stuck up a tree without a platform? Steve's gone. Oh my gosh. What's that? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Holy yes. crap. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Moving on to the next story. Uh we decided to take maybe this will catch some attention. So since I'm boring everybody, uh, we went. <laughs> we got Vance over here blowing fires and Steve over there sleeping. Um, <laughs> Dude, I'm afraid to move my head because if this phone cuts out, we're just going to laugh. I, I have no alternatives. Ex- excuse, I'm going to call this podcast the dumpster fire. Very <laughs> nice. Andy's lullabies. Get ready to go to sleep. <laughs> so. Anyway, <laughs> I've muted the phone, put on the leaf blower. <laughs> All right, let's try. Let's try round two. Let's see if this piques anybody's interest. Okay. <laughs> so on Sunday, we had a we had a cold front rolling in, and that wasn't like the main reason. My my wife said, "Let's go to let's go to Edinburgh, go fishing with the kids," and it just so happened no it lined shit. it just lined up to where we had a storm rolling in. Well. On the radar, it was rolling in, but long story. I'll tell it later. Um, so we get we get to the lake probably around, I don't know, one thirty or something like that, noonish. Nah, not noonish, like 12.30, 1 o'clock, one thirty, somewhere in there. Time moves extremely slow when you're trying to get the, the crew together. And uh, it was great. I mean, we, we pull into, like, the lakeside launch, and – the first launch is completely filled with kayaking canoers and stand-up paddleboarder people. Oh, and so I go to the Not second launch. Again. Yes, and I could just—I I had flashbacks to Shaggy, and <laughs> and now I can only think of Vance singing. Yeah. And um, so I go to the second launch, and of course, anyone that's been to this lake—not many of you have—it's a dump. Um, oh, it's terrible. The the, the second launch is everything but completely empty. The beach is packed with beachgoers. There's a guy, like, half taken up the launch. It is a single launch with a pontoon boat. I just kind of went around him. I don't know what he was doing. I went around him. I prepped, and I started backing up. But I had to be careful because there were two food trucks parked right there. And, like, everyone, everyone in the world at the big giant playground... It's a zoo, okay? And I go, I get my, I prep, I go, I dunk it. My wife takes the uh, rope, the kids hop in, I go and park in the parking lot. So this parking lot, if you have three trucks that don't know how to park, it is completely filled. These people somewhat knew how to park, and they were about eight, and I took the last spot. And I'm just like, I don't like coming here midday on the weekends. But I'm in, let's go. Fire up the motor, get out, do some hot laps. Kids have a blast. So then, get out You're the rod. Hot laughing. I, I am. 
that because the kids like they, they get a lot bigger kick out of going fast than going slow with rods in the water. Of course. <laughs> so get four rods out in the water and we're three quarters of the way through our first loop around the lake. The lake essentially you troll in if you're familiar with geom- geometric shapes, you're going in about a circle. Um, it's not, a, it's the lake is not a circle, but you go in about a circle and I get about three quarters of the way through and I look at draw passenger side out rod. And I'm like, did I forget to set the clicker on that? And I see the rod bent a lot further than what I'm like. That's, that's not right. And it's not thumping. And I, you know, I go and I look and I, I back of the boat I see what looks to be a tail fin sticking out of the water and I'm like what is it, it doesn't match up but it looks it has the dark color of a musky tail fin and I'm like did I snag and kill this fish I go and I'm reeling it in and I'm like wow this is coming in really easy I get to the back of the boat and by that time the family catches on what's going on and I lift it out of the water and my daughter promptly yells that only happens in cartoons as I snag someone's hat. Uh. <clears throat> so three quarters into our first lap, we got something. I got someone's hat that must have been doing hot laps. It's a good day. So then the sky is getting a little darker and there's less people flying around. I'm like, this is going to get good. We get another lap and a half or so, down rod, passenger side. Goes rip, rip, rip. And I'm like, here we go. I jump up, I get to the rod, and I look at it. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I tip it up. It's it's wiggling. It peeled, I don't know, eight feet of line real quick, and it was it was gone. I looked huh. at the radar, and I said, we got like 15 minutes, and we're going to get crushed. So kids want to do another hot lap. We do, uh, we do our hot lap, go back in, rush to get the boat on the trailer, have to go get ice cream. I'm, I'm not worried, but I really don't want the boat to be rained on. Uh, so we go get ice cream and I get back to the, uh, house just when it started to rain, the four drips that hit my windshield, I put the boat in the garage and that was our rain. It all petered out at the Ohio line, like I, I thought we were like, it was red. It was a line of red, 80 miles tall. And then it just went to nothing when it got over us. And I cut our, our trip short from that. And we had a fish go off and I was pretty excited because it hit, hit that Goldie DK 6 that I got. And uh-huh. yeah. So, we cut our trip short. We did like three laps, so we probably trolled for twenty five minutes. Standard. But standard. Not bad. A hat and a and a and a rip. Twenty five minutes is exceeding the five minute average of your fishing. I'd it say is. you did pretty good. Uh we did pretty oh, yeah. well. And I got a really nice hat. And uh Are you wearing it now? <laughs> I am not, but I will sell it to you if you wish. I it's probably yours. You dumped it in that lake like where everyone else dumps their garbage. Yeah, might be a lost hat in that lake a few times. It's probably from the swimmer that drowned, but oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> there was no swimmer that drowned. Oh. I, I just have to make sure that you guys are still with me. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, so 
my last my, my last two experiences near water have been stereotypical and hat ripping. Now, what do you what do you think the people from the water would think if they noticed you in a tree? Would they say there's a stereotypical country <laughs> bumpkin? Maybe. I mean, I guess if they were like, if, if they looked at a lot of trees on the river and like, oh, there's another dude sitting up in a tree. <laughs> Doing nothing. Doing nothing. Hey, I'm just, I'm just enjoying this tree. It's a good one. And I start knocking getting on off, the trunk. Getting off the grid. Yeah. I, I find that it's crowded down on the forest floor where everyone hugs this tree. So I wanted to go a little higher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Check out the branches. I get it. Anyways, well, anyway, wonderful. Th- those were those were my my fishing stories as of uh, late. But oh man, I have a ton of fishing stories. They would bode well with Todd. Um, but I guess I could tell this story. Tell this story, then we're going to talk about Steve. All right, real quick. Make it long. Okay, so... Because then I want to black out and be like everyone else and cool. (laughs) All right, here we go. Trolling along. People come out, whatever. Clients. And... (laughs) Okay. And, uh... Okay. They come out in the boat, shooting the shit, whatever. Set a trolling spread. We're going to troll today, blah, blah, blah. Um, we start talking about baits, things of that nature. And these gentlemen had brought, uh, a box of lures that they wanted to try out, which I'm never opposed to. And inside this box was a very old lore particular. I, rem- I, it looked familiar. And I, I asked this gentleman, it was a good lore. I said, how'd you, uh, how'd you get your hands on that? And he's like, well, it's a funny story. I actually didn't get my hands on it. And we're talking and he's talking about how he was putting his boat on the trailer the one day. Um, you know, he was fishing from shore, but he decided to wade in. Yes. That's what it was. And he steps on something sharp. So, again, he doesn't get his hands on it, but he gets his foot on it. He puts this lure through his foot as he's wading through the water. Barefoot, of course. Oh, no. I would would recommend a tetanus shot after such a story, but continue. (laughs) Absolutely. And in this particular area of the lake, I would not be in the water. Um. So I see this lore and I'm like, really, you found this lore? I was like, what, how long ago? It's like two years ago. I was like, really? So I take a picture of the lore and I send this to Todd and I said, does this look familiar? He says, yes, that, that is my bait. So this guy, Todd loses this lore in the same location Two years prior, this kid goes out and he's fishing from shore and he walks in and he steps on it. I got a question. I I have to stop and and ask this. 
when you wade into a lake or river that is not a privately owned pond in your family's name, how often are you wearing some kind of foot protection gear? I mean, you should be like 99% of the time. I was going to say, am I, am I the only weird one here that's like, no, I'm wearing socks and shoes into this thing? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Something. When you started the story with waiting, I assumed he had waiters on and waiting boots. And no. I thought, boy, what went through that? No, this dude's barefoot. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He was barefoot. He's more of a man than man. me. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. So... He gets his lure stuck in his foot. It's on my boat. It's Todd's lure that he lost two years ago in the same spot. Is it a crankbait? It's a crankbait, yeah. And Okay, but wait. What was it doing in weightable water? I don't know. I don't know how it went over there. I think that, you know, maybe it, uh, you know, dislodged from the snag. Maybe one of the weed cutters pushed it in that close. Something like that, you know. You think maybe Todd had a couple there. too many and was trolling in three foot of water? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> had all the rods go on. He's yeah. he's just like, <laughs> man, I just couldn't keep him off. The, I mean, he's not here. He can't defend himself. So <laughs> he can't defend. <laughs> he's no, sitting the weeds there. Were he's terrible like, out there today. <laughs> the rods just kept oh, ripping. <laughs> I almost got I, spooled. I I went back to our text. <laughs> Text from 2017. I was like, Todd, why are you fishing that shallow? Are you okay? <laughs> and all that came back was zero beer emoji. But <laughs> <laughs> Todd, but download the app for the breathalyzer and screenshot the results for me, please. I will drive you in. But, <laughs> but so, in all honesty, though, Todd loses his lore, same area. It makes this, sense why he spun a prop then, because he's been mud bugging it the whole time. <laughs> that's why I don't get those big motors. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you know, so I find this lore, and obviously, I want I want this lore back to give to Todd. You know, eventually down the line, I ran it the rest of the day. We got hits on it. It was really silly. Um, okay, so I, did it float anymore? Mm-hmm. Then what was it doing at the bottom? I think it was uh, like connected to like a big weed pile, and it, it was like sunk at the bottom or something. Okay, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I yeah, mean. Obviously, I, there's that, details there that are stuff, left out. There's details that are left out. Yes, and there was just you know I was. I mean, when somebody like when you find a lore like that in that situation, you know whose it is, and there's a foot involved there's just questions are asked in your mind. Just they, they don't register, you know, the answers we were just, you know, kind of laughing about it. And now that the guy can put the name of the rightful owner, what's the statute of limitations on coming after him for medical and suffering bills, pain and suffering? (laughs) Uh, hopefully a lot. (laughs) (laughs) and that is actually why todd is not here tonight he's been been summoned (laughs) but uh (laughs) yeah but uh so 
at the end of the day, I'm like, he's like, Hey, I'll, I'll trade you back this. I'll give you this lure. And I was like, well, let's, I'll trade you here. Take, take a lure out of this box. Anyone you want. And I got this lure back and I told Todd I would give it back to him, but I probably shouldn't, you know, Todd, Todd wouldn't do that for me. I'm not, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I might keep it. <laughs> Finders keepers, right? Yeah. I'll give it back to him. After he pays the you the price. I'll, I'll like wrap it up or something and give it to him for Christmas. Would you like <laughs> happen to like put it in the toe of his shoe? So you'd be like, you see what that feels like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought that was a cool story, you know, finding that. It's silly. Well, what's the, a, you know, what's the, what's the probability of that, of that though? Yeah. I mean, that's, geez, oh man. I don't, that's crazy. I mean, it, it is crazy yeah. the fact that when you think of all the area in that lake for one to put their foot down and not, I mean, if you were wearing a shoe, it might not have even registered that you stepped on anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently it didn't like really bite him hard that, that hook or, or did the, did you divulge that much of the story out of him? Did he have to go to the hospital? Oh, yeah. No, it hurt though. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was in pain. I bet you those hooks were not rusty at all. Remember that apparel line. That's terrible. Oh goodness, the rusty hook. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so seriously, if you dissect that story, okay, first phase, Todd has to lose the lure. All right. Yes. Second phase, that lure has to somehow end up shallow. Okay, well let, let's let's stop Third, here. Let's let's do this. I like where Gearman's going with this. First phase, what are the odds that you'll lose a bait? Vance, you you troll just as much Chita- as Todd. On Chautauqua, uh, how many a year? Jeez, less than one. Okay, so on an <laughs> average go. year, you're gonna lose, let's just say two, two baits in two thousand miles of trolling. Okay. Okay, so the odds are like impossible that you're own, you're gonna lose a bait, really. Okay. Yeah. Steve, what's the next step? Well, the, that bait now has to find its way shallow and stay on the bottom, not float off into the shoreline or something. So the placement has to be in the shallows where someone thinks it's a good idea to wait. How, how much How much area in that lake do you feel is weightable? Just shoot from the hip, like percentage-wise of the shoreline. Maybe 6% if you're lucky. Yeah, from where you can access not private property. Okay. No, less than you're done. You're down to a half percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're dealing with like probably what, close to 40 miles of shoreline? Oh, no way. If it's, Maybe like five. I mean, I'm three. talking like the I mean, whole it, lake, the whole lake. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah. so now you have a, a, a bait that statistically is not going to get lost is hitting statistically really small amount of, of water that is accessible to the public. Yeah. Now, of that now, accessible water, what's the next step? Well, okay, so now, now you get into uh, the mental capacity of someone who thinks it's a good idea to weigh barefoot. <laughs> How many other so people me, do you feel stepped on that? All? How many other people do you think yeah. would have stepped on that bait? Like... There might have been like footprints all over that thing. Yeah, but dude, no, seriously. I mean, I, I fished that lake 
a lot, nowhere near like you guys, but I don't remember seeing anybody wade unless they're at the beach. And then to think it's a good idea to go somewhere other than a beach barefoot seems insane to me. But okay, so that that I mean again, we're we're winning the lottery uh, odds right well, now. You've won the lottery three times, and to step on Pretty a hook, close. step on a bait, for your foot to land on that bait. Yeah. In that in that stretch, there's another lottery right there, and to yeah, have the that, hook that alone is to have the hook yeah. in such a position to actually bite into you. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the odds are greater there. You can throw a bait on the floor and step on it. I'd probably say you do that twenty times. You're going to be doing. You're going to be putting a hook in your foot, at least a couple. You know, it, yeah. it, it it's random with that. And the fact that it's a floating yeah. bait that's now sitting at the bottom, it needed some divine intervention to do that. Yeah. To then now carry I mean, on to be seen in another person's boat who recognized the original owner. Well, yeah. I mean, like to keep the lure with you, you know, and then there's aspects in between the dude getting stuck in the foot, going to the hospital, wherever he did, keeps the lure, puts it in his tackle box, Books a trip with someone who knows the owner. Okay, so there's another improbable uh, action. And then to bring the lure with him, because a lot of times people probably wouldn't bring him with him. So, you know, there, I mean, he could have he could have uh, went with Vance and never brought the lure, and this would have never came to light. So the happenstances in this story are just incredible. And I thought catching a hat trolling was improbable. Once Vance hit this story... It blew my mind. <laughs> I've I've caught two hats trolling. By the way, yeah. but yeah, it it is. I I can't even put odds to that. I mean, you're talking like a one in a million thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. It's even higher than that, I think. But yeah, it's, I, wow. It's the only thing that your mind can really wrap it around. Is any number? You know, you're gonna start using to the 10th power kind of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, the odds. I mean, that that's almost like a Mitch thing going on. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. But it, it was odd. That's great. <laughs> All right. But I, still, I still have the lore. It's not back to the I right. keep on to it now that you know how valuable it is because that's, that's a lottery, uh, lottery winning lore. And it still yeah. was getting hit. It was getting hit, yep. It actually it, it ran perfect. Didn't have to tune it, nothing. Did it have the leader Man. with it? Did did he uh, say? No, not on that and I forget. I forget if it had a leader attached or not. But you know, those leaders that wire what do you think? Do you think it would just disintegrate sitting in water that long? It's coded, I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, but so did the guy tell you he changed the hooks or the hooks original? The hooks were original on it and they were, they were in bad shape. And that's Uh, how, what actually dawned on me because when we cut hooks on certain baits, we replace them with what we put on our Raptors uh, in a, in a pinch. So there, there's, you know, three odd mustad round beds on this bait. And I'm like, Dead the rights. I know exactly who this is. That's 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 a neat story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, it was it was was silly. 
super silly. All right. But I still got it. Good stuff. Perfect. All right, Steve, you have adopted a a system that you want to play out this year. And I know that it hasn't worked out on that one trip or two trips that you tried it with, but I still think that it's it's kind of a neat pioneering way of you doing a rod rotation. And well, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it. I don't know anyone that's doing it like this. Yeah, well, I'm finding out why. <laughs> like you said, it <laughs> doesn't seem to be working, but, you know. Well, so I'll, I guess I'll go back to the, the uh, slow evolution of, of where I came with this because, you know, obviously for years I just used conventional casting, bait casting gear for muskie. Excuse me. And then I got into trolling. Uh, with the help of you guys and rod holders and strategy. And I was like trolling for a year and a half, just getting into as much trolling as I can and, and figuring out the the nuances of trolling. And then kind of when that wore out, I got into fly fishing, which was documented quite a bit on these podcasts and did that for like exclusive for a year and a half through all the seasons. And then last year I got into a little bit of finesse fishing, spinning rod fishing with uh, soft plastics, drop shots, small, small bucktails with some mild success at different locations. So I thought, wait a minute. I looked at all these techniques, and they all seem to have value and and shine over the other. So the thought process was, well, instead of being exclusive with the fly rod or the finesse or trolling, why am I not incorporating all these techniques through a day of fishing? So again, this is another uh, attempt. I think all, all musky fishermen go into this philosophy or psychology that, man, it, it, the reason I'm not catching fish is because I need that magic lure. And I think, uh, you know, lure manufacturers bank on guys thinking that it, it, it's the lure why they're not catching fish. So they buy 10 million lures and all they have to do is find the magic one. Well, I'm taking it up in a, another notch and I'm going, not just a lure, but I'm a whole technique that I'm bringing with me. So... My latest philosophy that I've been trying is I have a bait caster with me with either a jerk bait or something. You know, I rotate through what are traditional bait casting lures. Then I have a fly rod with me, and then I bring a spinning rod with me. And so my thought is at some point during the day, all day, one of these techniques should move fish or get interest. So the, the thought process is if I rotate through these techniques through the day, I'm bound to hit on something that they're active for, which should increase my odds of follows in fish. So that, that's been my latest evolution. Unfortunately, uh, the, the, the two extended trips I took with that philosophy have yielded nothing. <laughs> so, again, on paper it's great. In real-life execution, it, it's not panning out. Now, granted, the data points are slim because two trips really don't designate their determine anything and i'll probably stick with it just because it's enjoyable fishing uh vastly different techniques but uh yeah the, the jury's still on whether this is a uh, prudent approach or not that's why you're gear man <laughs> well okay let's let now that you kind of said that i i think we can we can pick this apart a little bit because first off you you always seem to try to find a new angle and i i think i know why you're doing it 
you're looking for the next the next thrill. You you yeah, you're at I the guess. you're at the point where a lot of guys are. Like when you're tired of bass fishing and stuff, you start looking for some new thrill. Um, you know, and some people, you know, will they 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 tend to gravitate towards the musky stuff. That's like you're kind of at a dead end. Let me see if I can bang my head against the wall. Well, you're here and you <laughs> and, and you're 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 chugging through all these presentations and you get really hot into one and then you look for the next one and then you get into that one. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that because it's fun. And you know, you were doing that fly rod thing and I remember like last year you were talking about how great the um the fly rod is and how it's moving fish when no one else can and all this all this stuff. This spring you were like, I'm gonna go you know, finesse. And to me, initially, I thought you were taking a step backwards because to me, I just want to power fish the whole time when I do go. I'm going to, I'm just going to outwork everybody and I should get the results. But you're like, whoa, 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 no, wait. Let me find something that bridges the gap between the ultimate finessing of a feather flying through the water with some tinsel on it, your fly, and compare it to you know, like big loud blades or, you know, a, a rip and jerk bait or a big rubber. You're trying to go in between there and you were, you know, you were getting jigs and stuff. Now when I, in sluggos and all those other things that you were doing, when I was screwing around with that stuff years ago, I didn't consider it to be finesse fishing. I just said, well, here's some baits. They were at the local dicks or field and stream or uh, they didn't have field and stream. What's that other thing called Gander mountain? And this is the biggest bait they got. So I'll get this. And when, when I would go out there and do it, I just, I never put a label to it, but you're making this label of finessing muskies, but you Mm -hmm. wouldn't do it with casting gear. You would do it with spinning gear. What, what did you settle on for your spinning rod and reel? Uh, for the spinning rod, it's a, it's actually a, a St. Croix inshore. It's a saltwater rod. Um, so it's an eight foot, uh, heavy and the, the lure range, I think it's a half ounce to three ounces. So it's a relatively stout rod, but again, excuse me for musky, it's on the lower end of what some of the rates are or weights are. And then, uh, real was, I think a Daiwa Luna 4,000 series. And so I got a 50-pound braid on it. And, you know, so you talk about some of these lures, and you could probably, I know you can cast your finesses, your uh, sluggos, uh, some of these lures with uh, bait casting. But, boy, you know, my uncle was even commenting, how are you getting them so far? You can bomb them with a spinning rod. And so, you know, I guess that's why I label them as more finesse because I I view the spinning rod as kind of more of a finesse way to present a lure. So, uh, but so, yeah, so it's, and catching musky on a spinning rod is fun as heck too. So it just was a, a fun type of approach that I was exploring for a while. And, and it, you know, again, I still view it as a tool. Uh, and, and so what I was trying to do is put all these techniques together through a day of fishing to see which one of these tools in theory will get it done. 
with the thought process that a muskie will bite all day. You just got to find the right presentation. Now, granted, that's probably a flawed thought process, and and I'm sure that these bite windows and everything else they talk about is more uh, uh, more merited. But I don't think you that's know, a, a flawed thought process. I, I think, think it's really. optimistic. Yeah, I think it's optimistic. It's not a flawed well, thought process because you can't disprove it. <laughs> No, but what, what, and, and see what happens to me though is if I'm fishing the same lure all day, my head in the game wanders. I just, I just think, unless I have severe confidence that what I'm doing is the best thing. So for me, when I fish for 20 minutes with a jerk bait and I switch to that fly rod for 20 minutes, it's like a renewed hope and I'm fishing hard again. And I think from a, a confidence and, and psychological standpoint, it keeps me in the game a little more because I'm engaged because I have that new, like you said, optimism or hope that, oh, this is it. And then when that fails, I bring out the finesse. And then when that fails, I go back to bait casting. And then when all those fail for six hours, you bring out the trolling gear. <laughs> Good Lord. So Now, well, yeah, I, I, I kind of like. Poor Steve's mind. Poor Steve's mind. The... <laughs> There has been a, a little more uptick in people asking or using spinning spinning tackle for muskies and stuff like that. And I you kind of highlighted a little bit of, of like why you like doing that because, uh, you know, the casting mm-hmm. distance and all that stuff. But, like, are you just saying, like, why do you feel it's more sensitive? Like, why do you feel it's more finesse-ish? Well, it's not the sensitivity, uh, you know, is not necessarily there. I mean, granted, listen, I've fished for muskie in almost freezing water, and I I probably told that story where you're dragging the lure on the bottom and it's a five minute cast. And in those instances, the muskie pick it up just a slight tick. But a lot of times, muskies aren't that gentle with it. and, And when they hit, you feel it, and you don't need ultra sensitivity. So when I say sensitive, as far as, uh, uh, or I, I shouldn't say sensitive is, is the key. It's it's a rod and reel matched with the lure that allows you to cast and work it a little better. It's not as uh, overbearing as a nine foot or ten foot rod might be because the the sweep angle of the rod tip might move the bait too much. So that shorter eight foot spinning rod, a bit flexible tip. The, no resistance on the line coming out because of an open bale. You know, all those aspects allow, I think, myself to fish some of these lures more effectively. And so it's more of an efficiency and maximized performance of the lure matching with the rod and reel than it is, let's say, sensitivity in the musky game. So, have hence you, why, you know, I, I yep. I was going to say, have you actually laid a good hook set into a fish with this spinning rod? Oh, yeah. Do you feel confident that you're actually driving it home? Yeah. I mean, if you keep your hook sharp as heck, it, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's Does the it... same as almost a fly rod. You know, your fly rod, your strip setting, so you're doing a direct pull off the tension of the line. At least you're still getting some leverage in a rod through through uh, braid. You're and again, this say... isn't a soft spinning rod. This is an inshore rod for like redfish and snook. So okay. you're laying you're laying iron into their mouth. <laughs> I was just wondering, does that seem more familiar of a hook set to you other than conventional bait casting, stiff rod thing like that? No, I mean, it's, well, listen, you know, bass fishing, I fish spinning and bait casting, and, and I've always uh, 
fish bait casting for muskie. So gear as a whole, everything seems familiar, whether it, you know it's scaled down from fishing a trout stream and a small spinning rod or fly rod all the way up to a muskie and a 12-weight or a, a rod that's up to three ounces. So I guess switching between them, I never had uh, an adjustment period. So it, there's, a, there's an element of, of uh, have a natural feeling to using it all. So it's just a different, you know, hooking a fish with a spinning rod and fighting a fish with a spinning rod, again, is is different than a bait casting rod and is way different than a fly rod. And all of them, there's an element of, of joy and, and, I guess, technique and fighting and everything that, that I I like. I like the, the variability in the aspects of how you're fighting the fish. And, and again, your hook sets are slightly different in all of them, but it's it, I feel comfortable with it. It's not like I'm, I feel like I'm missing fish because I'm not apt to set the hook properly with a spinning rod than I would a bait casting rod. Gotcha. And actually, I seem to set the hook harder with a spinning rod because... Again, bass fishing, you, you seem to tend to do that with a spinning rod. So I probably get better hook sets with a dang spinning rod than I do a bait casting rod. I would so. agree with that. I would agree that, like, the bait casting rod, you can really drive that thing home. Uh, you know, at least put a, a daunting hook set in easier than with a, with a bait caster. There might be a little bit more forgiveness there, but <clears throat> it sounds like you're getting uh, it, it sounds like you're searching and enjoying the fishing where okay now I have X amount of rods on my boat I'm going to use this rod for this presentation this lure um, I'm go- and I'm, it's going to light a fire in me to fish harder for that 20 minutes then i'm gonna get bored then i'm gonna switch to this and then i'm gonna fish harder and that's like a, a bass mentality but if it helps you um fish harder and makes you more efficient then i think that you would you know see better results well and so here's where the evolution changed for me too before i got into all these goofy techniques I'd go musky fishing with like 10 musky rods that all have their own lure on it. I'd have rods and reels pretty much uh, tailored to that lure, which was a hardcore bass mentality. Okay. So what occurred, and you know, when I, I'd go with a few guys fishing, they always make fun of me because they said, no, just pick one or two lures and fish it all day. And that's it. And you know, with the philosophy that one of these two lures are going to work when that bite windows opens. If it's your confidence bait, don't waste your time. You're searching for something that will trigger a non-active fish when in reality, just wait till they're active. So I found it, you know, preparing for a bass fishing trip is a lot easier getting these rods ready. When you're preparing 10 rods that are big and you got the leaders on them and everything, it does come become a little exhausting. So I started scaling that back. And then when I started learning new techniques, like the fly rod, I just bring one or two fly rods and then all the gear would stay at home and I just concentrate on that. And then finesse rods, I just have one spinning rod, so that was it. So now what happened is I'm getting a little back, like you said, to the bass mentality, but instead of five bait casting rods with different lures on, and I use one general rod that can handle a couple different lures, then I bring a spinning rod that can handle a suite of lures, then my fly rod. So I scaled back, and I'm back to about three rods, which is much more manageable. Um, And so I'm trying to keep the rods general and not classify the rods into a specific lure and, uh, you know, so I, I'm trying to be more efficient with exploring a, a wider berth of techniques. And like you said, 
keeps me engaged. But the goofy thing is every time I get into some new philosophy or something I want to try, the results always seem to be the same. You know, my, uh, my catch rate's always the same. And it's like, well, you know, switching these three techniques, I caught like one fish today. Well, that would probably been the same result if I'd have just stayed with one lure all day, you know, because there's that thought too of while I'm fishing a fly, I'm fishing over a fish that would probably hit a jerk bait. So there's that kind of uh, um, opportunity cost. I'm probably introducing into the equation as well. Sure, but so does who it make does? you feel better? Oh, when you don't catch fish, no. <laughs> when something works, you feel great. But in the moment, so, I mean, in the moment, it seems like that's how you just like to fish. You know, well, you're exploring new. You're exploring new avenues here, and you're trying to test more things. I think that's just how you are in general when it comes to being on the water. So you're always going to fall back on that and test and try and uh, well, try try new things and it keeps you interested and keeps you fishing so I don't see a problem with that I know but I, I guess I, I wish I could get to the point of hey listen I, I understand how the game is here's my expectations here's one rod and one lure just stick with it because again I'll probably have the same success uh, but uh, like you said, there's just always that element in me, and, and all fishermen have this, I'm sure. There's got to be something that's better. What's going to, instead of a one fish day, what's going to yield a two fish day or a mm-hmm. three fish day? You know, what what is it that I can change to make my results better? So I'm always exploring this junk. <laughs> don't um, don't so, get me started on finding things that are better because I'll spend a lot of money on things that I think are better. Very true. Well, you're 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 an efficient freak, so you know. Oh yeah, I know exactly. And and you know, you already hit on this, but the like uh I was going to comment, I was just waiting for a break was your three rod, your three tier or whatever you want to call it. Your three rod approach makes a lot more sense to me than like three bait casting combos sitting on the deck. Yes. Because, and, and, I, and I know a lot of people do this, and, and I'm not dogging on them for anything like that. I just looked at that and I said, I can do it all with this. I'm not going to do it all great with this, but I'm going to do great with what I do most of the time. I don't want to be tripping over rods. I don't want to be worrying about mm-hmm. stepping on rods because I've done that and I don't like it. But, you know, if you're going to have multiple rods, I like your approach with they are starkly different from each other. You're not going to be like, hey, hand me that whatever, that St. Croix with a Tranks or whatever reel on it, and you have four of the exact same thing sitting there with a different bait mm-hmm. laying on, you know, snapped onto it. I'm like, well, I can unsnap a bait and put a new one on in five seconds. I have mm-hmm. no problem changing baits if I think I need to throw back or something like that with something different. Um, I usually, what I do is I'll take like the three or four baits I might use, I pull them out of my box, I throw them on the deck in the corner, and I'd rather step on them than another rod that already has them, you know, attached to it. But I just, Mm. I like the, like you're not grabbing a fly and putting it on your your, uh, bait caster. You just, you can't. Yeah. They they do, Mm -hmm. you you covered the spectrum, and then I like how you brought in the, the fourth horse there. If it all fails, go trolling. Yep. Like it's that easy. <laughs> when you absolutely need to catch one, put them in the holders. That's what people think all the time. 
Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's true, isn't it? Well, no, it's not true at all. Oh, I, like, I, I, I was mistaken. <laughs> like people you take out, you have like a dozen fish day on trolling, and they're like, yeah, we want cast this year. We'll cast. Okay, we'll go cast. Nothing happens. Then it's like time to troll an hour in. No rods go off, and they're like, what the hell? What is this? Yeah, well. well, didn't casting tell you that it might be a little tough? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I th- I think that's cool, Steve. You know, you do Mr. Steve gear, man Steve on steroids. I think it's awesome. <laughs> steroids. Now, I'm waiting for Steve to do, I don't even, I'm making the name up right now and it needs work, but like the musky Grand Slam. In order to achieve the Muskie Grand Slam, the GMSGS, oh my gosh, GMSGS, Gearman Steve Grand Slam, you need to catch a Muskie on all four techniques in one day. Oh, wow. That is the Grand Slam. Fly rod, finesse, casting, and trolling. And you will accomplish something that probably no one has ever done. One day of fishing, four fish. I'm sure it's been done, but uh, (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, maybe, but I mean, seriously. Okay, wait. What is it? It's you got to catch. You got to catch one trolling. Okay. Catch one casting conventional gear. Okay. Casting with a spinning rod. You know that's what I called finesse. And then the fly rod. Four fish, one trip. All four styles. Oh, man, that's awesome. Wouldn't it be? I mean, there's got to be something cool. I know, like, they have, like, the turkey, you know, like, the the world slam and, you know, all that stuff for, you know, the different species of turkeys. Well, I mean, yeah, you got the tiger muskie, which was, like, a half muskie, but you got the muskie, you know. I don't know. Let's try to come up with something cool about that, like the grand slam. <laughs> Steve, I'll take you out on that trip. All right. I'll make a. I'll make a. I'll make a placard or something like that if it happens. The first official Grand Slam holder. Wow. And I don't think, honestly, I hate to say it, it's a challenge to do because a four fish day at all is is just incredible. But did I ever? Okay, if you're talking about improbable, I know a guy that stepped on a bait. That you I, need well, to know, listen to the if, odds. Well, I don't know if catching four on those four techniques is improbable. Again, I, I'd love to do it. It's a cool challenge now that you set it up. But I, you know, um, I, I guess the challenge would be uh, there's a lot of people that might be excluded that don't engage in all four techniques. Well, that's um, like, that's you know, their fault. The fly rod guys only fly fish. They're not trolling anything, you know, or, or vice versa. So I, I guess, uh, oh, uh, yeah, I don't. You, you know, I'd love to do it. Now that you threw the gauntlet down, <laughs> my obsessive juices are flowing. Me too, a little. I mean, hashtag. yeah, hashtag. There was another thing that we we failed to complete, and I don't think we told Steve about this. It was something between Todd Vance and I that we wanted to make and start something. 
and we never we never did it this summer. If you remember what that was, don't bring it up, Vance. If you remember it, I won't. Yeah, I remember. And we never got around to doing it. Maybe we'll try it for next year, but this might be it. Like starting now, we're going for the for the GMSGS. Uh, we could just call it short the Grand Slam. The four styles that Steve has laid out. It's it it, yeah. it 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 you're looking for something new, a new angle. I mean, I could see it. I mean, oh, that would be fun. You get like a Muskie Zinc tournament that has like you know the Grand Slam challenge. You know, you throw an extra ten bucks in a hat or something like that, and the scorecard. You know, you, you catch one trolling. You know, let's just say you. I don't know. You catch. If you can fill those categories, your best fish in each category, then you add up the the points. You know, the point scale. So, like, if you catch six trolling, it don't matter. Put your longest one down on the scorecard, and you can just see how big your Grand Slam is. It might not even make the Grand Slam. So, essentially, if you catch one trolling, you're done trolling for the day. You're well, packing it up and trying. But we're trying. Fishing one but, we're, rug. but we're trying. We're trying to do it all in one day. Yes. Right. I mean, yeah. if you wanted to continue to troll to beat the fish you just caught, you could do that. But you're limiting what could be, you know, four thirties would probably beat the crap out of a nice 50, two fifties caught. I, I don't have the points thing in front of me, but if you understand what I'm saying, it would be beneficial to mm-hmm. put a fish in each category because you're only turning in one fish per. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you could do that and you could complete the Grand Slam, maybe the maybe completing yeah. the Grand Slam adds another 50 points to the total or something. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to think about this crap. Yes, it is. Well, so... The thing is, my new philosophy now is I'm going to have all three rods with me every time I go, plus the trolling rods are in the the, uh, boat all the time. So now you got me thinking, if I catch one on any one technique, instead of figuring out how many fish I can catch on that technique of the day, that thing rod's going away. (laughs) I'm going to force feed one of the other techniques. That's that's, That's what I'm looking at this as. We have X amount of hours. We need to do it four ways. It's like Lemieux's five goals, five different ways. <laughs> I mean, I That's think true. I think on a, on the right day on Chautauqua, you guys could do it. I think so too. Well, so think really? of it this way: when I went up there, I had action on three of the four techniques. Now, granted, I didn't land fish on all three, but so there was interest. Um. And if I would have landed one on each technique, I would have probably, the only one that didn't seem to get the action was the finesse. But if that was it left, I'd have just fished the rest of the day on finesse. But I had follows on flies, hit the jerk bait, and uh, on trolling. So, you know, uh, so I, I think it could be done. It's just got to be a concerted effort pretty much to do it. I'm game. I also think that this would also be interesting because, like it just said, it would force you to put that rod down that just caught a fish. And it reminds me a lot of what Todd did. Years ago when I fished with him, he caught a fish, he cut the hooks, he took that bait right off. Most people would throw that bait back out. He's like, I haven't caught one on this one in a while. He put that next bait on. He's like, I'm going to try to catch one now on this one, knowing that maybe a bite window opened and he's just going to, you know, Mm -hmm. prove the, you know, like my favorite bait theory wrong. But at this point you could say, well, I just caught one on finesse. Now you have to yeah. make a choice on are you going to go extreme finesse or are you going to go power fishing? And then you can see, hey, I caught one on whatever, a fly. 
what's your next technique you're going to be moving to. And you might be able to collect some, you know, life experience data with this to say, you know what, when they're on, it doesn't matter. But when it seems like they suck, this seemed to do better for me under these conditions. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so speaking of tools and stuff that's better, again, I, I am convinced winter fishing for muskie, fly fishing while produce. I mean, not, not always, but just from what my experience, because I probably did more winter fishing than anything else. And when I use conventional or even some of the finesse techniques that I've been exploring in the winter, the dang fly rod just seems to work. But in any given day, like you said, in the summer, I, I think you might be able to get them go on all the techniques with the faster moving ones probably being more prevalent. So I think there's times of the season that techniques fit, but I think there's times of the season where, you have an overlapping that you might be able to do the grand slam. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, Vance, if you're up, I'll, I'll book a trip and we'll go and, and I'll bring my three rods and you have the trolling gear and, uh, <laughs> see what we could do. <laughs> well, unfortunately, all I have is November, which would make it even more challenging. We should make this a thing and we can start like way early and finish way late, you know, maybe give us, Oh, it's not much daylight there. 12 hours. Get it done. Yeah. Gear man, 12 hours. Oh, I'm thinking a calendar day. So if you, if you, if you want to do like four hours. Yeah. I mean, but it started daylight to sundown or something, or maybe a little into dusk. So maybe 14, 16 hours, depending what time of the year you're at. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in doing that. Very interested. We can make it a challenge. Updates. Go live. Well, like I said, maybe someone's going to hear this podcast and say, oh, yeah, I've already done that. But i got to be honest. I think it takes someone who's mentally ill, like myself, to even get heavy into all four techniques. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like, like it. I like this. This is, this is incredible. It's a new angle. I mean... Well, the reason Todd does that, you know, like what you ex- expressed, Andy, mm-hmm. is just the same thing Steve expressed. You try different things to keep you interested. It's fun. You know, there's days that guiding just become monotonous. It's another day. Boom, you're doing the same thing. Blah, blah, blah. I caught one on this. Let me throw out a pink tiger. Let's see what happens there, you know. Oh, I'm going to try finesse, conventional fly trolling. All those things keep you interested. Now this is brought up to be a challenge. This is like ignites a fire. Like when Steve picks up the different rod, it makes him fish better. For the, or at least he thinks that. That's yeah. all. That's all fun stuff that makes fishing fun, you know, and. Uh, you know, I certainly am intrigued by it. I'd like to do the G M S G S and like get here's the day we're doing it. The time frame, live updates. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be awesome. <laughs> we're d- hour 14 into the 16 hours we haven't caught our scene of fish yet <laughs> and there's yeah. steve laying Putting there sunburnt and dehydrated <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is pouring water I'm on his screen. face keep fishing 
Keep casting. Get that fly rod out. God damn it. Man, and then you, I mean, then you could make it a little bit easier. You know, you could have a personal Grand Slam or a boat Grand Slam. Mm, nah, it's got to be personal. Only going to stick to the personal. Yeah, it's got to be one angler doing it. So when you're trolling, I got a question for you. If you're trolling, are you going to put out three rods? Man. I don't know. You I got you, you have well, to well if you want it to well, be pure. Uh, well, 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 well made point. Uh yes. You're going to so it's going to be a three rod even if you got two guys in the boat technically. You're going to go legal one man setup. Now, I don't want to get That's too good. nitpicky on the troll. But it, is there any portion that uh, the angler that's going for the slam needs to be driving? Yeah, that's... It gets a little a, dicey there. It's dicey. It certainly does. We have time to figure it out, but it, it's some mental wrestling. Well, see, for on. that one, though, because, you know, trolling solo obviously can be done, but, uh, you know, it, it is kind of a team game, so... I think that the rule for that should be to count it for one angler. He's got to do the whole from taking it out of the rod holder to rewinding it in. So the the guide or the, whoever else is with him can't pull the rod out of the holder and hand it to him. Now you just ruin the slam. But if he's driving while the one guy, the angler is watching the rods, I think that could be legal. That'd be my assessment. But again, you guys, if you want to make a contest with uh, specific roles, whatever, yeah. I'm in. And I'd like to hear feedback from the listeners on this. <laughs> I'd like to see if anybody's done it. I'd like to see if anyone <laughs> actually made it this far in this podcast after that snooze fest I dropped. And then it did, you think they're in bed? <laughs> I was in a tree. And then Vance is not even listening. <laughs> Five minutes later, Steve doesn't even answer a direct question. <laughs> we relate to the party. Gearman Steve Grand Slam. We got to get this done. And even if somebody's already done it before, which somebody obviously probably has done it before, and even if they didn't, they would claim they did. Yeah, that's the problem. Someone's yeah. going to say, oh, yeah, I did that. Back in the seventies, I did it, and I can also bench five hundred and six pounds. Yeah. Well, but, and again, the the reason I think that it it's relatively rare is because how many guys do you know troll conventional and fly fish? You know, for musky, it seems like yeah. some people gravitate towards kind of their niche and stick there. I don't, you know, I don't know how many people. I mean, there's some out there. Don't don't get me wrong, but I don't know how many people are uh, open to that diversification. So. This could be like alone a, might eliminate a lot of guys, but alive that? Muddy Creek Fat AZ challenge we do people tune into. Heck, if we had enough people interested, you could almost just have like a group thing on the page, you know, nationwide. You know, kind of like how uh Lily, live stream the like, whole thing. Like Lily does like the remote tournament stuff. You know, you could go fish a different lake or whatever, just you know, you could probably do like have something like, yeah, this is where we're at over here. Yeah, you could get cheaters and stuff, but there's no prize money on here. Um, it's just pride money. 
It's yes, it's you should. You should like paint up a custom raptor that says like Grand Slam on it. And if someone's able to produce you four photos with the rod they caught it on, and I don't know how you're gonna prove it's the same day. You might have some cheaters who would like span it over a season, but if you get somebody hold up a newspaper or something the same day, uh, that should be the prize. You should get a, a painted raptor. <laughs> Heck, we could make little placards or something like that. But um, something else that'll keep pique your interest, and we'll tell you more about this after the show, Steve. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a little hint about what I was talking about. The HD challenge, or the HD club. We haven't come up with the name yet. Um, mm. adding another twist, but I don't want to take away from the GMS, but I wanted to at least throw that out there to get some people's interest peaked. Um, Did you yes. have a lot of challenges coming. That's cool. No, I want to do this challenge. We should pick a date and do it, and we have a calendar day to get it done. Yep. Well, the, you're the busy one. You let me know, and I'll try to accommodate. <laughs> Yeah, you better call a day me. off next week. Say I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick of hitting I'm singles. Sure. It's time for the slam sure of grand proportions. Vans loaded through November. So if you have a cancellation, oh, man. man, let me know. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Or we can just, you know, try to, we could push it to the spring or something. Or do the cancellation this something like that we, we, we're gonna have to talk about it i also think that if we're gonna try to do something you know fun you know on like the facebook we need to specify that only one fish could be caught vertical jigging only like because you could literally put a, a vertical jigging bait on a fly rod on a spinning rod and on a casting rod and you could catch three fish jigging and say yeah i caught them on all three techniques there should be a stipulation that it it needs to follow suit of you know, yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, like you said, someone could put like a trolling lure on a dang they fly could put rod. Three, they on a fly <laughs> yeah, they could troll three three different rods, and then just let them go off as they go off because it's easy because yeah, that's so how fish come in trolling. Hit the hit the hit the the uh, the grand slam. It's trolling, and Steve. Oh, so trolling, obviously. So, so let, let, we'll put stipulations with it. Trolling with like a conventional trolling rod, maybe a line counter, and some kind of crank traditional bait, trolling bait. Okay. okay, right. Second is uh, conventional bait casting rod. That could be your, you know, jerk bait, top water, bucktails, whatever it is, whatever type of the heavier lures that you use with that. Then you got the finesse, uh, I call finesse presentations, specifically a spinning rod that, again, I have drop shot rigs for musky, soft plastics. Uh, I do fish like double sixes on it, which ain't quite finesse, but it's a lot easier to cast with a spinning than you do a bait casting. So any of those smaller uh, or lighter lures that you work traditionally with lighter tackle, um, and in this case we're saying a spinning rod just to, to change it up. And then your fly rod with, I mean, I use like heavy grain line with uh, a big feathered fly that you cast. You're not trolling it. You're not just still jigging it. There's an active cast and retrieve type of uh, technique with it. So that that would be the four. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I think I need to put a little asterisk in there. Um, like I said about jigging baits, you can count that under your, if you used a spinning rod, it could be under your spinning rod. If you used a conventional, it could go under a conventional. 
And the same will go with suckers, live baiting, one or the other. Dude, that's a fist technique. <laughs> it's a fifth oh, technique, yeah, but man. guess what? There's, there's, there's three the bases plus, yes. yeah. yeah. I mean, if, well, the goofy thing is it's, it's kind of a fifth technique, but you can use any one of those, at least two or three rods. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I look at a technique as a whole rod, reel, line, and lure, a differentiation from the other. So you're right. So a sucker could go on any of those goofy things. It, it, it would it would need to go on to the spinning rod category or the conventional rod. I know you can use a line yeah. counter, but I don't want to get into the Wisconsin people argument that I hear all the time about, is this trolling or not if you're dragging a sucker? Yeah. Because that was a big Here, thing. Here's the thing, though. A, a grand slam is just, you know, hitting it over the fence with four, three. Yeah. The three. base is loaded. With the bases loaded, this would almost be more of a cycle: a single, a double, a triple, and a home run. Well, and you know, he came with the grand slam when I first gave it to him. I said it's like a superfecta. You're, you're getting four horses <laughs> to come in, and how you want them. Mm-hmm. So, grand slam cycle. I think they all kind of apply. I, I just, I would like to hear like a, a Facebook update of. Right now, the bases are loaded for Steve, and he's out here trying to do this. Yes. I think it's more yeah. relatable. I got first, second, and third, and, and now I, I got to troll the. And now the, he's striking out. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Yes, this is awesome. I want to do it. Yeah. Unique challenge in the musky world, I would guess. Yeah, well, I like I it. Are we going to do any bad advice things on this? Not we're not an hour and twenty five minutes into it. Because <laughs> yeah, the bad advice is, I think yeah. I think that this would be bad advice. Listening to I'm the first to twenty minutes, yeah, go for grand slam. I don't. I mean, there, there's a lot of people out there that you know it. It starts to get same old, same old. You go out with the same baits and you do the same thing. Well. You know what? If if we can get some traction on this thing, it it would be it would be neat. You know, people are now you know talking about the grand slam. I know we've start other things, you know, little catchphrases and what have you. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. And, and podcasts, yes, yes, that was that's another thing that's caught on pretty well. Um, though you wouldn't know from the first half hour of me talking, but um, <laughs> 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 at least you guys are paying attention now. Um, but good stuff. You guys want to talk about anything else to wrap this up i mean it still needs work but like van says like to hear from people that have ideas on that mm-hmm. but well like and, i said i'll oh, go on sorry no no you uh well, i'm just again I, I guess my interest is a anybody listening if they've done it legitimate not and like you said you'll probably get some guys but let, let's go with an ethical honor thing i'd like to see a if someone's done it and b how many people out there even engage in all four techniques to the proficient level that they think they could do it? I just, that'd be a cool kind of sample size of how many people even, because again, if you don't have a fly rod and, and you're just not going to ever do it, then, then the grand slams outside of your realm ever, you know? So it'd just be interesting to see even what population size of anglers <laughs> have, have, a, uh, uh, the capabilities now to do it. And it'd be cool if this spawned a few people to go out and say, you know what, let me try a fly rod that maybe expand some of these techniques. So I mean, that, that, that's just going to be interesting to see whatever kind of feedback you get. I know a lot of doubles have been hit out there, you know, a lot of casting and then trolling fish, you know, to 
to bring in another one to say yeah. you hit a triple. You know, I, I think that kind of a neat little lingo thing that might start. Yeah. Well, if it doubles, I know that, but that's it. <laughs> I never got to the triple. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this, this, but you know, the doubles happen when I probably only had two techniques with me, right? Uh, and particularly conventional casting or trolling is the most easy uh, double I think a lot of people have done. But now that I carry all uh, four techniques with me every time I go, which is very limited, but uh, so I, I think it's going to up my chances in the challenge. But I'd love to, like I said, uh, you know, give it now a concentrated effort, particularly with a f- professional like Vance. I think that'd be fun. I think that would kind of uh, uh, allow a little bit of realism in achieving it. You know, you you got to be the one to to hit the first Grand Slam. You have to be. Well, like I said, <laughs> it's named after you. Well, yeah. Well, I guess it won't be from lack of trying. It's just whether I can uh, have the skill set to freaking do it. Oh, I'm I'm very determined to do this. This is awesome. So, well, I'm glad we pulled this one out of the fire. Um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna end this one right here. Um, all right, big thanks to Fatty Z Musky Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, Saint Croix Rods, Vix Marine Ranger Boats. And Muskies Inc. And with that, everyone, uh, fall's coming up. Get ready for some good fishing. Thanks for listening.